Thanks. All right, so... <laughs> no. Um, I'm going to refer to some scripture that really jumps out to me throughout this whole testimony. And... Um, it really applies to my life. I'm sure it applies to a lot of your lives, you know, but like I'm going to start with Psalms 42 through 3. It says, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and myrrh. Is that how you say that? He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Um, he really did pull me out of so much. Um, and I have, to, I have to go way back, and I have to start, like, when I was a little girl. It was bizarre. Nothing about my life was normal. Um, I always felt it, but figured it out. It really wasn't normal. Um, I, I was um, given to some people who legally adopted me um, because my parents weren't capable, and... Um, a lot of things I'm going to skip. I'm, I'm, there's so many DFT. I could write a book. We could all write a book. So I'm going to just skip a lot of stuff. And um, So as I was adopted by some um, um, Christian Baptists who were the, the best choice for, for me, my brother, and my sister. They thought. <clears throat> um, it turns out it was the, the woman that my biological grandfather had left at the altar, basically, because he fell head over heels in love with what was to be my grandmother. Um, they later gave me to this woman and her husband um, because they couldn't have children and, and yada yada. The woman hated us. She hated my entire family. Um, so my life consisted of being locked in a room, um, basically starved. I had to, you know, I figured out how to pick the lock and go down and get me some food and all this stuff in it. Um, uh, there wasn't a day that went by that I wasn't beat up um, by her and um, belittled. And But the thing, the good thing that came out of that is um, every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we were in church and um, Bible camps, private Christian schools. Um, the older I got, the more I thought, well, you know, is this really how you're supposed to treat people, you know, if you're um, a, a person of God, you know. And I remember as a little girl all by myself um, uh, accepting Jesus as my personal Savior. Um, I wasn't sure if I did it right, <laughs> but I did it, and it felt good. And then I used to ask him, you know, if he had forgotten about me. And, you know, I would sit and I'd pick the lock on the bedroom window with a little, you know, thing and stare up at the stars and, and ask him if he forgot about me. And then... Uh, um, so years and years of that, um, but one thing that, that I, that did come out of being raised in that house was, um, I learned about God and, um, learned how to work hard and I could take a hit. <laughs> um, oh, and I could learn to cook. So anyway, <laughs> moving on from that. Um, so it wasn't long. I was probably 12 years old when I finally, broke the padlock on the, on the window, picked it. Accident. It was an accident. It, I thought the whole house heard it and I was going to be busted. <laughs> but when I was picking it one night and looking out there and, and crying, which I, I did that every night, I was, I, that was my life, um, it went pop and it broke, you know, and it sounded like 
gun or something. Anyway, I got out, and um, I didn't know where I was going, but I ran, and I ran, and I ran, and I ran. And um, they figured out that I ran away, and um, the police tracked me down, found me, brought me back. Um, that happened a couple times before they finally um, started catching me and just putting me in juvenile uh, detention homes, um, which was another... Wow, that's, that's a whole other world all by itself. But um, well, every troubled kid probably is, is there. Um, but I, you know, I continued. You know, I, I, I would get out and um, uh, tell the judge that, oh, yeah, I won't do it again, blah, 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 and run away. Because the beatings never stopped and the belittling and the just the ugh, that, all that never stopped. And so I never stayed. I wanted to. I, I did... You know, I mean, when you're a kid and you're raised by, by somebody who you call mom and dad, you know, I mean, you love them no matter what, you know. And, uh, I mean, I wanted her to love me. I did. I tried. But, anyway, kept running away, kept running away. Here I am at, what am I, 14? Um, you have to excuse me if I don't remember everything perfectly because <laughs> whatever. But, um. I, I ran away again. Well, okay. The judge put me on a house arrest band um, when it got out of juvie that time and told me that if you run away this time, it's a felony, and I will send you up, up the river is what he called it, which was Scioto Village, a juvenile prison. Um, I didn't care. I mean, this was the same judge who adopted us to this family who, I don't know. It was just really all a bunch of weird stuff, but... Um, the funny thing is nobody ever asked, why are you running away? What are you running away from? You know, I didn't do drugs. I didn't drink. I never touched a boy. You know, I mean, I was just hiding. I was hiding in the woods. I was hiding under the stairs at my friend's house. I was just hiding, you know. And uh, um, so anyway, I, you know, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. And um, I found out at school through a friend who really obviously didn't know anything that you could cut the band off and put it in a heater and nobody would ever know you were gone. Wrong. <laughs> I, I cut it off, I put it in a heater, and I, I ran away and didn't get very far, and, and they found me. Um, and sure enough, I, I got toted off to juvenile prison, um, which was even creepier than the... Uh, juvenile detention homes. I mean, it was a very, very strange and creepy place. Um, there were girls in there who had uh, had a baby, murdered their baby, girls in there who um, murdered their parents, one or the other, or, you know, you name it, it was weird. Um, so, anyway, um, I got out of there, and... Uh, I think I was 15. Uh, I got me a boyfriend, <laughs> and his he lived out of town, and um, I ran away. And his mother, she was a barmaid. They anyway, I was allowed to stay there. Um, it wasn't long. It was a it was a while. We were you know whatever and. Um, I, I, it's been so long. Everything's so jumbled up. Anyway, somewhere in there, um, I ran away again because she figured out where I was at. And I ran away to Arizona and um, met up with my biological dad. 
and my mom was out there, and uh, we were in this Will Hoyt, Arizona, some really secluded place. Anyway, um, Jim beat up my mom, and she took off in the night, and so did my brother and sister and I. And um, so that happened, and then uh, we ended up with my mom in Prescott, Arizona, and my mom was um, a raging alcoholic, and we were staying with two older gentlemen who had probably this many piles of um, Polaroid snapshots of girls, young girls, very, very young girls, that while my mom was at the bar, they decided to share with my sister and I, which was pretty creepy. So um, my sister, you know, she found a friend and somebody down there, and um, I ended up just going to a payphone and calling 911 and turning myself in. So um, they extradited me back, and I went and turned myself in to my parole officer, um, Jeffrey Anderson, <laughs> and he walked me in. And, and anyway, I had... Anyway, that happened. So, um... <sighs> man, this is hard. Am I? Okay. So, um, at some point uh, after that, you know, I ended up back with, with Kenny, the boyfriend. And, uh, you know, I, I, after the second round in juvenile prison, and um, I had, like, killed my number, I guess you would call it, yeah, and did not have parole. Shortly after, um, I was still staying with Kenny, you know, and um, I, I started getting sick, and I found out I was pregnant. <laughs> that, that, was, that was crazy. So I was pretty young. I was, like, not even 17 yet, I don't believe. But. So anyway, I, I, I was scared, but at the same time, I felt like um, I had somebody. You know what I mean? Um, this person inside of me was going to be my family forever, you know, and just, you know what I mean? Just somebody to always love. And, and so anyway, um, Kenny, we had the baby and he, uh, decided that he was going to be a, uh, alcoholic. Um, he never came home and always when he did, he was drunk. Um, and then it was ugly, really ugly. I got a busted eardrum and you know, just all kinds of stupid stuff, and it was stupid, you know, so I took my baby, and, and I left, and I went back to Wilma and Earl's house, which I called home, I guess, with my baby, and um, uh, it wasn't long before uh, I decided that I was going to leave. I was going to go be with my mom in Arizona, and um, my mom and I had been talking and stuff, and, and we were really excited to do this, and I got the ticket, and then uh, Kayla's, my daughter Kayla, that was her name, her grandmother Kay, which was Kenny's mom, uh, called me up one day bawling and crying and begging for me to let Kayla spend the night with her, you know, and Kenny won't be there, I promise, blah, blah, blah. And so I thought, okay, you know, I'm leaving Monday, I might as well. Well, I shouldn't have because her and Wilma, my sweet special mother, um, teamed up and took my baby, and I called the police, and Wilma got on the phone with the police and literally told them I was homeless and did not live with her. Um, and so anyway, that, that was like, 
somebody ripped my heart out of my chest, you know, and I, oh man, I wanted to, I had some evil thoughts. And mind you, I had wandered completely from God. I didn't, you know, been years since I prayed or trusted in him for anything. And um, like I said, I, I pretty much was sure that I, I'd been forgotten about, you know, I was just put here. But um, I had many horrible things in my head. I was going to get my daughter, burn her house down, <laughs> run her over. I don't know. There were a bunch of bad, bad things in my head to get my baby. And um, uh, in the process of the fight, I met Brian. I'm sure I'm skipping a lot of stuff. And, you know, he was supportive and, and all this stuff and with my little girl. And anyway, we got Kayla for the weekend and took off, went to Arizona. In my mind, you know, I was like 20-something, very young. But in my mind, if, if I could just get her far enough away... that, you know, nobody could keep us apart. I mean, my, my little girl, I had to watch her. They had to pry her fingers off of me every single time we were with each other, and she would scream till she couldn't breathe, and I just wanted it to stop. You know, I just, I just wanted it to stop and us to be together. And, but we were in Arizona with my mom, for a while, and um, it wasn't long until uh, my sister, um, the only person who knew where my mom was, um, in Skull Valley, Arizona, if you look it up, it might not even be on the map. I mean, it's super small, super hard to find. But anyway, led them, Wilma and Kaycart. Not Kenny. Kenny never truly wanted anything to do with our daughter, just uh, his mother wanted her. Um, led them straight to us and uh, took her away again, screaming and crying. And I found out I was pregnant with our first child. And I knew that I was wanted because I had kidnapped my own child. Um, So... My mom and I, Brian had, you know, gone off with my mom's husband, and they were doing, you know, the speed somewhere in another town. Um, And uh, my mom and I decided that we were going to take off. But then after they, they got my daughter, my mom went off to look for her husband and never came back. Um, I looked for her till. Three o'clock in the morning, and she was pronounced dead at six. She'd been ran off the road and killed. Um, Right before that, my mom and I just found out I was pregnant, and we were going to go away together. And so that was out. She was gone. And so there was just no reason for me to be there anymore. So we went back to Ohio and um, Brian did not want me to turn myself in because I was carrying his child. And 
typically what they do is take your baby when you're in prison. Um, but anyway, I called his aunt because I didn't want uh, to be in prison, you know, and lose my baby and stuff. And I was, I was going on the hope that it wouldn't happen. And so I called his aunt and told him I was going to go shopping and, and I turned myself in. And, um, and yeah, I, I went to prison. Um, So, that was adult prison. Uh, Brand new special breed of folks in there. Um, When we first pulled up, I I thought, how come, you know, I thought this was a women's prison, you know? Why are those guys here? And one of the guards in the van said, oh, those are girls. (laughs) Yeah. And they were beefy, (laughs) Uh, and that was scary, but I guess what saved me was I was pregnant, you know, and, um, nobody wanted anything to do with that, so that was good, that was a blessing. Um, so, um, I got out of there in time, uh, just weeks before I had Brian, and then, uh, whew. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, we uh, I continued my fight to to see my daughter, and in the midst of it, um, they were grabbing hold of everything they could to keep me from her, as far as going to the courts with this and that and whatever. And um, again, my lovely sister um, kept them informed of my life. I didn't know these things for a long time, but. Um, she knew of uh, Brian beating me up, and um, uh, she told them. She shared this with them. And so they decided that my daughter shouldn't be around me, shouldn't be around my husband. And, oh, yeah, we got married and had a baby and stuff, and I got out. And anyway, we had two more kids, and, you know, I just I, I wanted it to to work, you know, I mean, I had all these babies, and I married him, and, you know, it was supposed to be, you know, marriage is supposed to be forever, you know, it's supposed to be, you know, but uh, he couldn't be with one woman, and, and he could not beat on a woman, you know, here's just who he was, apparently, um, because none of the it just never stopped. And so I left. It was my grandma who told me, you don't have to endure what you're, you're going through. And so I left. Um, I came out here to Colorado um, because my biological dad was out here. And he had told me, you know, you can finish your schooling, you can get a job, we'll help you with the kids, him and his wife, all this stuff. And um, it was a good story, you know. So I got out here with my kids. Sierra was only three months old. Brian was two, you know, Jake was a little over a year. And um, we came out here, and I had no education, no work history. I had my children that, you know, were not going to get taken from me and... Um, 
which is what he was threatening. Oh, they already took one. The judge, no judge is going to let you keep the, your other three. And I was young. I was scared. I, I believed him, you know. So I had to, you know, leave. So anyway, it didn't turn out that way when I got here. It was completely different. It was um, Jim and Sam. Uh, they were going to get in a big truck, and they were going to go, you know, make their future and leave me there with my babies and their children, um, four of their kids, um, who apparently had been raised in a house of meth and um, just a lot of stuff. And um, I, I had no idea what methamphetamine was. I never heard of it, nothing, you know. And I remember one night downstairs hanging out with my dad and and his friends and stuff. And they're passing around this mirror with this powder on it, and he hands it to me, all casual, and he turns and looks at me, and he says, what, you've never done this? I said, no, you know, and I said, what is it? He said, well, you know, it's speed. It'll keep you going, help you keep up with them kids and all this. Really talked it up. And so I snorted it. About blew my brain out. It hurt. It hurt real bad, but the effect that it had on me was that of nothing's wrong with the world, you know, everything's great. And so pretty soon um, they were gone, trucking down the road, and they were supposed to be sending money home to pay some bills and get food, none of that. Uh, Things were getting shut off, and um, I ended up calling Brian, and I told him what was going on, and... um, he sent me a ticket to get back because, you know, I mean, I was in a size zero and they were falling off of me. So, I mean, before Jim left, he got me good and addicted and he left a pile real high for me to stay on. And uh, that, was, that was crazy. But I got back to Ohio and it was the, I, I got off that crap and, you know, of course life didn't change from, from what it was before. You know, and um, only got worse, you know, because then he was involving the children, you know. He had a hold of my baby and had a hold of me and threw my son. And so I put him in jail and I left again. And, you know, it was just everything. I came back to Colorado and. I can't remember all the bits and pieces and of everything, you know, but it was just all madness, 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 you know, just trying to pay the bills, pay the bills, pay the bills, and spend time with the kids, pay the bills, pay the bills, spend time with the kids, you know, and it, it you know, taking them to daycare and leaving them every day was a hard thing for me, but I had to, you know what I mean? I mean, I had to take care of them, and, and that's all I could think about is uh, taking care of them, taking care of them. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna go back a little bit, and I'm, I'm gonna tell you that, you know, through the years, I, I never even stopped to think about the fact that God was right beside me the whole time. You know, I don't know why things happen the way they do. I mean, I'm not gonna give you all kinds of details and stuff, but. <laughs> 
when you think of the word abuse, you name it, we went through it, okay? There was physical, there was sexual, there was mental. It was all disgusting, it was all painful, and it's very hard to forget. You know, it's, you push it back, you don't talk about it, you know, you, you just, you run away from it, you know? But I didn't want my kids to go through anything, any hurt, like I did, ever, you know, and I, I, I came to Colorado to try to protect them, and it didn't work out that way. You know, I spent nine years in Grand Junction, and then uh, I was in Clifton when I met somebody who had meth and offered me $1,000 a trip to run them back and forth from here to California and back. Basically, a drug runner. And man, $1,000 a trip, three trips a week. What I could do with that money? And uh, so I did. And I left my kids with the babysitter every time I took the trip. And every time I took the trip, I did a little more of the drug. And pretty soon I was just completely consumed with that drug. And telling myself all the while it was for the good of my children, the money that I could make to support them. Well, long story short, a lot of madness in that. There's not enough time for it. What ended up happening was beyond my understanding. Um, We'd gotten back from a trip and while I was in the shower some woman came in who was a girlfriend of a guy there and or what a ex-wife or something anyway she had come in while I was in the shower and had they had apparently measured out their drugs in a little plastic cup put the cup back up on the sink where they found it. That was my little girl's cup. When I got out of the shower, my little girl was four years old, and she was saying every cuss word under the sun, rattling 100 miles an hour nonstop, and I couldn't understand what was wrong with her. She had... crawled up like she was taught on a little step and got her little cuppy that was left there for her and got her a drink of water. And I understood finally after she repeatedly kept saying, I drank the sugar, Mommy, I drank the sugar, Mommy, I drank the sugar, Mommy. 
And then, of course, nobody, while I'm in the middle of nowhere, would give me a phone or help me get her to safety. That was the first time in many, 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 many years that I had even given, paid any attention to God. I had her in my arms, and I dropped to my knees, and it was like the entire world around me went black. And all I could see was her. And I begged God with all of my heart to not take her. I told him to take me because it was my fault, not hers. She started telling me, and mind you, she's four years old, all these beautiful things, Mommy. I see all these beautiful things there. Where was she? And I didn't want her to go there. And I'm going to skip past a bunch of it, and I'm just going to tell you we end up in the hospital finally. And there is no way that she, I can't tell you how scared I was. And pretty soon, you know, the police were there and child services was there. And the police waited to put the handcuffs on me until they, my two little boys were walked down the hallway by a woman. And they turned around and, come on, Mommy. Are you coming, Mommy? Come on. And then I was taken to jail and um, put in solitary. I was there for probably a week before I knew if my little girl was alive. There's no reason other than, than God that she's here with us today. None. Um, so, moving ahead. I got out of jail and was allowed to see my kids at a social service building awaiting sentencing. And I would go to see him all the time. And I was mortified when I found out that they had been placed with a good Christian Baptist family. Uh, It scared me. I mean, I knew that what happened to my daughter, I deserved to not have the only three things that meant anything to me. But they didn't deserve to be beat or molested or locked in a room or starved. And that's all I had in my head when it came to good Baptist people, you know. And then one day, 
while I'm visiting my kids, one of the workers happened to come in and say, oh, thanks, and say, oh, thanks, not thanks, but um, she's here, and man, my ears perked up, and I didn't say anything, but I thought she being my children's foster mom, and so I, I waited for the right moment, and I got up and barged out the door where I knew she'd probably be. And because um, we were not supposed to see each other. And there she was. And I, I walked up to her aggressively. And um, I don't remember all my exact words, but they weren't, you know, kind or gentle. And I told her, you know, I asked, are you the one that have my, your, my children, that has my children? Yes, and you better not lay a hand on them. Don't you hurt them, you know basically threatening her life. Well, I didn't know Becky then. I didn't know that this was a beginning of something God had planned for our family. Uh, My kids being placed with Rick and Becky was a huge blessing in disguise. They brought my children to church, and they introduced them to... God, a God that I'd turned my back on and kind of stopped believing in. I didn't feel like he believed in me or he knew me, so what was the point? But my kids deserve to know, you know, and and uh, it, it was a really good thing. And the entire time I was in prison, I remember first in prison, again in prison, been in prison quite a few times. Um, I remember sitting there thinking, you know, just completely distraught because I didn't know these people that my kids were with. I had no idea. They were strangers to me and to my kids, and I felt sorry for my kids, and I felt sorry for myself, of course. And I remember thinking, you know what? I'm not going to hate this woman. I'm going to make her my best friend because she's got the three most important things to me alive. Nothing else meant anything to me but them. And so I did. I I sat and I wrote her a letter, and I don't know where it all came from. I mean, I do know where it all came from now, but it was a long letter. And it turns out later we both discovered that she was in prayer about me as well. And then when she received the letter, it was... It was an opening for us to talk, and talk we did. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, they accepted. You have to pay for every single phone call from prison. And every week, they accepted my call and handed the phone right over to my kids. I was able to talk to them, sing to them, you know, hear about what's going on in their life, and they were really happy. I mean, my kids were really happy, you know, and they they would say, when are you going to come home, Mommy, you know, and stuff like that, and but it wasn't, they weren't devastated. They were okay, you know. Um, so I got out, I got released to a uh, halfway house in Grand Junction. And uh, turns out when you, when you stop doing methamphetamine and stop starving yourself, 
Your body holds on to everything. Yeah. I was uh, almost 100 pounds more than when I went in. Kids were kind of surprised. <laughs> um, anyway, the whole time in there, you know, let me go back a little. Even I was in Denver Women's Penitentiary, and Becky brought my children to see me. Okay, something she did not have to do a couple of times that, you know, not often because it was so far away, but just the fact that she did at all, even care to bring those children to see me was huge, you know, and then it wasn't just, let's go to the prison and see your mom, yay, it was, let's go see your mom, you know, and and they didn't even know where they were, you know, or why I had to stay, but knowing that she was leaving that prison and then they were going to have some fun somewhere there in Denver for kids. I mean, that was just like so amazing. You know, they didn't have to leave those concrete walls and just remember that about the trip. She gave them something better to remember, you know, and it was, that was huge, you know. And then when I got out and I was in the halfway house, I got to still talk to my kids and, um, I was, remember I was talking to Becky and I was telling her that I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to, you know, I was, I had to figure out where I was going to go from there before they would release me. And I had thought that I would go stay with an old friend, you know, but they smoked pot and I didn't know if I'd get in trouble, you know, being on parole and stuff. And, um, Becky said that her and Rick had been in prayer about it and, you know, and, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot another part. While I was still in prison, the social services had told them I had been in prison for too long and that they needed to adopt my children out. Rick and Becky told social services, no, you know, we believe in her and we believe in her enough that if she does mess up again, we'll personally adopt these children. Huge, huge, that's huge. So anyway, she tells me, we feel like you should come and stay with us. That was huge. Like, I get to go stay with my kids. You know, I don't know these people very well, but yeah, I'll go stay with you. I'll be with my kids. And so I I did. And then I started coming to church with them eventually. And, you know, everything was, was really great. And then I, you know, I moved out with the kids. We moved out. And, well, it wasn't. So many odd months later, I let an old friend come in, and I did meth again. And you would think the near death of your child would stop you. Well, this time they ended up in Ohio with their dad. And long story short, you know, things happened for a reason. They had never known him. I went a little crazy. And in the midst of it all, I had, in the drug world, I had met Jason. Most of you remember Jason. And... He had gotten in trouble, and he was locked up for a while. But we decided we were going to get clean together, and we were going to get married, and I was going to get my kids. So that's what we did. Um, I went back to Ohio 
and came back with my kids. Um, it wasn't long after that um, their dad died of a drug overdose. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's not that I didn't love Jason. I married Jason for all the wrong reasons. And, but I married him anyway, nonetheless, you know, and I was still high, basically. I mean, it takes years for your, you to have a, a rational thought after meth. I mean, it, it takes a few years. It's, but in my head, it was the right thing to do, and, and that's what we did. And it was good for a while, you know. A couple of years went by. I mean, it was, it was peaceful, although I couldn't get him to move out of his mother's house, but that was weird. But then he went, he went back into the meth, and um, I threw everything in the truck, and I, I left him, and, and then he promised up and down he wouldn't do it again, moving, skipping along, you know. You know, I mean, bef- before I married, I should have never married him. It was just not a, a, a very well-thought-out thing, you know. I mean, he had me out on Highway 13 in the snow on top of me, beating me profusely. I was drowning in snow with, after every punch, and I don't, it was only God that got me out of there, too. You know, and then I married him. <laughs> that was so stupid. Um, but anyway, off and on on the meth, and we, he tried. You know, he gave an effort, you know. Um, he lied about a lot of stuff. Um, and then pretty soon, in the end, he, he started treating my children bad. It was affecting their grades and, and their life and... It just wasn't worth it anymore. And so I left him for a final time. And I remember him saying to me, if you would have just let me finish, you know, because I would find the dope and flush it down the toilet. And, and he would say, if you would have just let me finish, I'd be done by now. So I told him the last time I left, you go ahead and finish, you know. And um, he didn't finish. I mean, it got up to the point where he was almost dead. He was like... I don't know, 100 pounds, um, mostly bone. And um, I tried helping him right along with his mom throughout the whole thing. I'd take him groceries, you know, try to talk to him and stuff. And it was just, you know, like, I don't know. It wasn't my fight, I guess. And so I kind of gave up. But then, you know, he called me over one day and said, you're the only person I trust, you know, and he showed me a Harley, brand-new Harley-Davidson that he had stolen from a guy. And uh, I turned him in, and so then he went to prison, and he got clean, you know, whatever. You know, God be with him. I don't wish him any ill, you know, but it just wasn't, it's, it wasn't, it's, okay, that's over. So, um, who? First Timothy 1 Timothy 1:15 through 17 says this is a true saying and everyone should believe it Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I was the worst of them but that is why God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners
And then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Glory and honor to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. What I can say about my life is it is not textbook. Um, I'm not an open book. I'm pretty... I've got walls, man. And uh, if, you know, trust is a huge thing for me. Um, pretty much my entire life, anybody I trusted, it was dumb. It was really dumb to do that. Um, it's been a... I used to pray this pathetic prayer that just one person could love me completely, you know, just for me, just for who I am, and not lie to me, not deceive me, and not surprise me with something awful. You know, all along, God did, you know. But I was talking here, something, you know, like wrap my arms around and have fun with, be friends with, you know. I was starting to think that the entire world was nuts, you know, and the entire world was all a bunch of backstabbing evil people that were out to get you, you know, and uh, I've been in and out of this church for years, I mean years, more than a decade, um, I never went to another church or anything, I just, um, Something bizarre was going on in my life. I would just go on my island and take care of it myself and not involve anybody, you know. And um, I've always loved everybody here, but to trust everybody here has been like, it hasn't been an easy thing to do. Like, I, there's a few people here that, that, that I trust very, very much and uh, that I love very, very much that uh, have known me since I got here, basically. Um, So, you know, after, after Jason, yet another divorce, you know, and, you know, divorce is ugly. It's stupid. You know, I mean, I should have never gotten married to him, but my kids is dad. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it was all, it's just, wow. You know, so anyway, after him, I, I decided that, um, yeah, I'm going to have some drinks and, you know, get through the night, whatever. Yeah, it, it ended, it ultimately ended in me ha- not having some drinks, but having some bottles. I could drink a keg of beer and not think twice about it. Um, but I was still, you know, it was okay because I wasn't doing math. I wasn't doing anything wrong. I was taking care of my family. Everything's fine. You know, and then I uh, was at a parent night, a football game, with my son, sons, and uh, had to walk out on the field with Brian, you know. And, uh, of course, he swoops me up, swirls me around in front of everybody. You know, Brian. Um, And what I didn't know at the time was there was a fella out there wondering who I was. And mind you, I was not interested in trying this again. 
And uh, anyway, it took a few months of him trying to get my phone number, and then he got my phone number. And Joe was completely different. I mean, like night and day from what I'd ever experienced. He took me on a date. He asked me if I would like to go to BJ's and have some coffee and french fries. That's the weirdest date, the weirdest combination. <laughs> it was so cute, I couldn't say no. So we met down there, or we went down there. Actually, you picked me up, right? So he picks me up. Did you bring me a flower that day? No, no, no. It was a, okay, not that day. Anyway, we go down to BJ's, and we have our French fries and our coffee, and we talk, and we talk, and we talk, and we talk. And I don't know. There was just something different about him, and... The, our second date, he showed up, and I told him, I texted him and told him I was going to be a little late, and he was like, well, the reservations are for such and such time. I was like, reservations? <laughs> Seriously, we're not going to Arby's? <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was my first real date. You know, here I am, this old, you know, and I, then I got really like, what? what am, I, am I wearing the right thing? You know, but he showed up, and he had a, a single rose, and some baby's breath and everything wrapped around. It was beautiful. And uh, we went to, um, yeah, Miner's Claim, and we had steak dinner. And I'm just going to say from there, I mean, I remember him walking me out to my car one night after that, and he grabbed hold of my cheeks. He said, I want to see you every day. And I was like, okay, delete, 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 <laughs> delete any other guy's phone number I might have had, you know, just, that was it, and we did, we, we have had so much fun together, and he introduced me to his friends and family, just really beautiful people who I've grown to love, you know, but let me be really truthful, in the beginning of Joe and I, I didn't love you. I was not, I was very leery of, of friends. Um, and Joe helped me. Joe, Joe stood by me when maybe Joe shouldn't have, but I'm very grateful that he did. I wouldn't have. You know, I, I, I got drunk and belligerent a few times on him. You know, he's not perfect. We've gone back and forth sometimes, you know, but he's a blessing. And... I finally am married for good. And that feels good. <laughs> yeah. That's my husband, Joe. Just in case you didn't catch that. I'm, I'm April Weeks, by the way. <laughs> um, he's my friend. And he's a believer, too. And uh, I still struggle sometimes, you know, because I'm like... When's he going to cheat? Or I'm, I'm starting to get past it, though. You know? <laughs> I've melted down with Desa a couple times. I've ran to her house. <laughs> Great people. All of a sudden, I am extremely blessed. You know, it just it blindsided me. It came out of nowhere. I didn't expect it. You pray and you pray and you pray and you pray for things. And you, as soon as I stopped looking for it to happen... It just happened. 
you know? I'm blessed with this amazing husband who, who provides me with everything, like, like a normal husband does, right? <laughs> and my kids, they're doing great, you know? I'm, I'm expecting another grandchild in about six more months, and everything's just, wow, falling into place, you know? And the thing is, all that time that I was sure that God forgot about me, I wouldn't have made it through any of that without him. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you all the dangerous situations I put myself in, all the times that I didn't think that I would make it out alive. Um, I can't tell you how many times. It was so dark. It was so black all around me and scary. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have made it out. And at the time, I didn't even... I'm thinking, that was close. You know, got out of that, got away from that. That was, yeah, you, you might have been buried out there, you know. It just in, in the whole time, I, I never even put it into my head. It's not you who escaped. It's God who pulled you out. And he did. He never left me. All the time I thought he was gone, he was there. He was right beside me the whole time. And I'm not, you know, I, I'm not religiously in church every Sunday. And I, I'm not, I can't call myself a Bible thumper. You know, but, you know, I, I've been thumping in the Bible, you know, a lot lately. And, uh, I mean, I, I haven't turned my back on him again. But the drinking thing, you know, some folks can have a few. Have a glass of wine. You know, but all the crap up here that's, I'm still trying to work with God to, to shovel it out, you know. Hey, that's why this scripture really bites me. It says, um, and I am sure that God who began the work within you, I'm sorry, Philippians 1, 6, will continue his work until it is finally finished on that day when Christ Jesus comes back. I'm holding on to that because I'm not done. You know, I love him with all my heart. I love him. You know, and I told my brother a few weeks back, you know, when we were reminiscing about this and about that, and I told him, what came to me all of a sudden was, pff, who cares that we didn't have parents that ever cared about us here on earth? You know, we have a father. You know, I mean, we're his. We belong to somebody, and, and what better person to belong to, right? The king of kings. Okay, that's my dad. I'm good with that, you know? And Philippians 3.13 tells me I get to do this, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I'm really looking forward to what lies ahead. I, I get paranoid and a little bit scared because it's never really been good up to this point. About a year and a half ago, it started getting real good. And uh, I'm on today's day number seven without one drop of alcohol. <laughs> Something. Um, I quit cigarettes a month after we got married. I still dip, but... I'm trying to chew this Nicorette to make the dip go away. <laughs> but um, uh, I don't know. I guess I, I, I would just like for everybody to keep me in prayer. And look, man, I mean, nobody's perfect. We all sin. And, and some of us have been through more than others. But pain is pain. Trauma is trauma. Sin is sin. Nobody's is worse than anybody else's, you know. And uh, 
It's still hard to go to sleep at night because your mind races 100 miles an hour. But I'm going to read you one more thing. Well, I'll read you two more things. One's real short. So this is a prayer that I'm, I, well, I made it up, and I'm going to try to memorize it so that I can recite it when I lay down to go to sleep, and my mind's going 100 miles an hour, and I can't fall asleep. Um, so it says, Father, lay me down in your soft, comfy bed of peace. Cover me with your thick blanket of love, and tuck me in with your everlasting protection. Let me rest in your dreams, in my dreams, with your radiant presence, so that I may wake filled with your sweet joy. That's my night prayer that I came up with. I'm going to read this. I'm going to do it. I wrote this, and then um, I folded it up and put it away and forgot all about it and just went on about my thing. Last year? The last year? Beginning of, or the end of the year before? Something. Anyway, most, some, most of you, some of you have a copy of this. Um, I, I don't know. Some, I don't know if there's anybody left here that has a copy. Becky, Tammy, maybe. Um, just something I wrote. Um, just, it's called Stop the Madness and Start the Love. Um, I wasn't going to read this. It's so easy to feel mistreated, misunderstood, or overtaken by troubles or too many sorrows. We tend to forget how to love, listen, and learn. We take advantage of our todays, forgetting that we are not guaranteed our tomorrows. We allow ourselves to believe Satan's lie when we wrap our minds up in this silly assumption that this is our home. We do not belong here, and our only reason for being left on this earth is to fill a loving, perfect, and honorable purpose for our God. If we seek happiness, comfort, satisfaction, perfection, or any other human desire and another simple human like ourselves, we are surely being misled by the demon himself. That's a hard one for me. What then are we to do? After all, we have our husbands, our wives, our children, parents, siblings, etc., that we feel like we would just die without, and that is most certainly the greatest of all love, right? wrong. It seems hard to believe and almost impossible to comprehend for most of us. But the truth is, just like everything we see all around us that we have built or bought is ultimately ash, our human companions are just human and utterly incapable of filling the emptiness we all have inside. That can only be done by God, who sent his son Jesus to die a brutal death for our sins on the cross, only to be raised from the dead, conquering the grave, ascending back into his kingdom in heaven, and lovingly leaving us with his Holy Spirit. I can honestly say God has never let me down, disappointed me, left me alone, hurt me, or threatened for any reason to ever take back his love for me. How dare I waste even one more second of what little time on this earth I've been given, not only loving and obeying my king, not loving and obeying my king. Nothing else truly matters. When I stand before God, I desire more than anything for him to know who I am. Not for any other reason other than just because I love him so completely. He knows all. He sees all. He feels all. He hears all. Nothing is hidden from him, least of all our thoughts. To go on about our lives pretending that only we can hear, we can hear or see our own thoughts is simply foolish and extremely childish. To go on about our lives not loving others no matter what is also so very foolish. Love is the greatest of all our Father's commands. If you're facing a giant wearing the face of addiction, Loneliness, fear, pain, bitterness, rage, lust, 
or any other type of ugly giant Satan throws in our path to make us stumble, and you think there's no way you can ever defeat it, you're right. You can't. But seriously, I know it's kind of a cliche, have no fear. Really, God is here. And you can bet your life in your last cent that he can and will defeat whatever you ask and truly want him to defeat. Stop giving up and turning your back on him. He is the only truth, the only true love, and our only hope. Peace and love be with you all. Thank you. All right, thanks. Just a couple things that I need to straighten you out on. You can tell she lived with me for a while. She can't even get us out on time. Thanks, Ken. I um, that was the short version. It really was. I I had condensed her a little bit, and we had talked a little bit. And so, if you want to know more, I know she would tell you more if you wanted. She's not afraid to talk about it now, because her story brings glory to God and what God's done in her life. And um, you know, I don't know about you, but I can look at her, man. If God can do work in her life, I know He can in mine. The only part that scared me the most about your testimony is hearing from you that you thought the world was crazy. <laughs> All right. We're just going to close in prayer. I think if we really boil it down and think about this, we see what a great God we serve. And that none of us are beyond redemption and none of us are beyond His love and His care and how He's always watching over us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. Lord, we praise you for April and for her story and how she was willing to share with us. Um, Lord, there's so much more to the story if we want to hear. So uh, help us not to be afraid to ask if that's what we want. Lord, I thank you for the work you've done in her life and that, that through that, the glory that comes to you, we can see it. And, and God, we can maybe look inside ourselves and into our own lives. And maybe there were areas that we thought that you couldn't help us with or maybe we were trying to hide from you or maybe we just didn't want to trust you with i don't know what it is that that we go through that makes us keep these things from you and you already know but god maybe today it will help us to to release that maybe today it'll help us to really confide in you and and give you those problems that are in our lives that that we want to hide lord help us not to run from you anymore but to run to you i pray that you'll be with us as we leave this place today that god we can leave feeling renewed and and joyful and excited that that you are at work in us and through us and around us. And that, Father, we can join you right there and we can trust you to have all the answers. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>